Let's start with a deep question here today. Why do you eat what you eat? Why do you eat what you eat? The answer probably is you eat what you eat because you're hungry or because it tastes good or because it's convenient or some combination of that. Now, as we get a little older, we get a little bit more particular about the things that we eat because we understand that what we eat actually affects us more than just our, our taste buds and, and a full stomach. So we start to choose food on what it does for us. So like sometimes we're like, I'm not going to eat that because it's got too much sugar in it. I'm not going to eat that. It's got too much fat in it. Or I am going to eat this because it's got high fiber. Or I'm going to eat this because it has protein and it's going to fill me up. And so we start to, as we get older and get more mature and get more wise, we start to eat ways to make us feel better. But then sometimes we also eat just to feel better. And what I mean by that is we're going through a rough time. We've had a rough day. We come home, and what do we do? We go to the cupboard, and we find ourselves a huge bag of, huge bag of potato chips or Fritos or Doritos or whatever your thing is. And you go into the family room, and you flip on the TV, and you, and you put in your Netflix, whatever the series is you're in right there. And you just kind of sit, and you veg out. And about five hours later, like your bag of chips is empty and like your brain is empty. And you've used your food to kind of like solace yourself and find a little bit of comfort. There's a technical term that we use when we turn to food to cope. And that technical term is emotional eating. It's when we allow our emotions to actually dictate the food that we eat in the hopes that the food that we eat will fix our emotions. And we get into kind of a crazy cycle, and we all know it doesn't really take us anyplace good. But what if there were like this amazing food that you could eat, and when you ate, you actually felt better? And I'm not just talking about physically, although that, that would be fine. But you could eat this food, and somehow it did something emotionally to you that kind of fixed you. Well, I'm going to suggest that there is a wonder food out there today and at the same time, I'm not, okay? But there's a food that's mentioned in the Bible, and it's mentioned a lot in the Bible. In fact, over 300 times this food, and it's a food product, really, that's mentioned in the Bible. But when it's mentioned in the Bible, it's mentioned in a lot of contexts where it's dealing with some type of issue that's going on where it suggests some healing. And the healing that can make you feel better. And the healing comes from not from the food. The healing comes from God. And yet we see this picture woven throughout Scripture here. And just to, to ruin the suspense, that wonder food is actually olives. And we're talking specifically about olive oil. And what's interesting to me is that when we look at this in the Bible, we see this food product so many times associated with this idea of healing. Now let's just stop for a minute. And let me ask this question, where do you need healing in your life? Now, it may be that you need some type of physical healing. That counts. That's just fine. It may also be that you need some other type of healing, like an emotional healing. Maybe it's, it's a relationship that, that you've been involved in that has just gone south and there's been a lot of hurt. There's been things said. There's been, there's been a broken relationship. And you're like, boy, I could really use some healing in my life right there. Maybe it's a disappointment that you've dealt with, something that you had prayed for, something you'd hoped for, something that even looked like it was going to work out, and then it all fell apart. 
And you're left grieving what could have been or what you had hoped to be. And maybe you need some healing there. And you could go in so many different directions. Maybe you've been wrong. Maybe you've been insulted or, or, or marginalized or judged. Or maybe even the healing that you're needing in your life is, is trying to work through some emotional struggles that you have. Maybe anxiety is an issue or maybe depression or anger. And we could take those and say, you know what? I could really use some healing in my life right now, today. And I, for myself, can say that. And I can say that from physically to emotionally to even spiritually, I could use some healing. But what about you? Could you use some healing? And what can we learn from an olive and from olive oil that will actually help us in that respect? Well, we're doing this current series. It's called Taste and See. It's based very loosely on a book by Margaret Feinberg of the same name. And her whole idea of the book, the premise of the book, is that she wants to find these food items in, in the Scripture and then really immerse herself in learning about those food items to see what that can actually teach her about God. And so she picks this one, olives and olive oil, and she and her husband actually travel over to Croatia and spend a week living with a family that's in the olive oil business. And so they live in their home. They go out into the olive groves. They help them harvest the trees. They follow with it all the way back to how the, the oil is made and, and how it's taken to marketplace. And she recounts those adventures as she goes. And it's like this nice, light walk through her, her adventure. Well, I want to do something similar here today. And I want to just walk us through some scriptures that talk about olives and olive oil and see what we can learn on our walk that might help us find some healing. And so it's going to be a little different. Usually I dive in and say, okay, this is the passage we're looking at today, and we just kind of stay right there. Today we're going to be all over the place. We're going to look at multiple passages. You can try to follow along in your Bible or on your tablet, whatever you're using. We're going to put a lot of Scripture up on the screen to try to help you along. But what I want to do here is I want to walk us through an olive grove per se, and see what we can learn about healing. So we're going to start by talking about olive trees. We're going to talk a little bit about olive fruits. But I really want to focus on the olive oil that's made from the tree and from the fruit. So let's start with the tree. What do we know about the olive trees? This is just inf interesting information, I think. Olive trees have incredible long longevity. It's estimated that some of the olive trees in the, that are still being harvested today are over 1,000 years old. That's crazy, isn't it? Now, have you, in fact, they're not only they have longevity, they're incredibly resilient. If you chop down an olive tree, you don't kill it. It just grows right back. And it talks about olive shoots, and it comes up, and it will be fruitful again. There are about 800 million olive trees in our world today. 90% of them are found in the Mediterranean area. We actually have some in the United States. They're all in California. But uh, so olives mostly come from the Mediterranean area. The olive tree is symbolic of peace and prosperity. If you go all the way back into the story of Noah, he sent out a dove, and what did the dove come back with? He came back with an olive branch in his mouth, and that olive branch has come to be symbolic, even worldwide, of peace. And we see that icon or that graphic uh, so many times associated with peace, and the olive tree is known for that. It's interesting also that the olive tree, really to be fruitful, needs to be grafted. And that means a second tree needs to, a limb cut off from that and combined and grafted onto the tree, and that's what gives it fruitfulness. 
I mention that because if you look in Romans chapter 11, there's an interesting reference that Paul makes about the fact that, that Jesus is the tree that needs to be grafted, and it really refers to him as the olive tree, and actually to, to the Christian faith and to the Christian family, the idea being that the Jews and the Gentiles needed to be grafted together, and Paul uses the olive tree as an illustration to make that point. This is also just interesting to me, too. Some strains of Christianity teach that the tree of life in the Garden of Eden was actually an olive tree. Now, there's nothing in Scripture to suggest that. It's just like um, things that have been passed on. But the point is still interesting. The olive tree is such a special tree that when you're talking about the tree of life, that's the tree that some people think that it refers to. And we're going to see that even more in just a second here. What about, the, what about the fruit itself? Well, do you know that you can't buy fresh olives in the grocery store? When you buy olives in the grocery store, they always come in a jar, right? They're pickled or they're in some sort of brine because they have to be cured. And the reason for that is olives as a fruit are extremely bitter. If you took a bite of, a, of an olive off a tree, you'd spit it right back out because it tastes so bad. And uh, so they take the olives then and they put them in brine actually to make them to, uh, more palatable. Those little olives, though, are 12 to 30 percent oil. So really, most olives are used to make oil, not for fruit, although you can find some in the jars there. Interesting, you see olives of different colors. All that means is it's different ripeness. All olives are basically the same color. If you harvest them early in the season, they're green. If you wait a little bit longer, they're tan. You wait a bit longer, they're, they're red, and then they're purple. And if you wait till the very last minute to harvest your olives, they're going to be black. But they take all of these, put them in there, and then they um, create the olive oil that we get. There's actually, just FYI, 14 different varieties of olives. I don't know. I, I'm not an olive fan, so I couldn't even tell you what they taste like. And all that's all nice and interesting, but I really want to focus on the olive oil here today. Now, first of all, olive oil is not like wine. It does not get better with age. You need to use your olive oil, and if you let olive oil sit too long, it goes, it goes bad. It can get rancid. And that's actually why when you typically buy olive oil, they put it in a dark jar. That's actually so it lasts longer because it's, it's to protect the oil from the light because it doesn't have much shelf life. Those are just fun facts. Let's dive into what the Scripture says. One of the first mentions of olives in Scripture is found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 6 through 10. And we read this, Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to Him and revering Him. And so, this is in the book of Deuteronomy. The Israelites are about to go into the promised land. They failed the first time. This is the second group of Israelites after the 40 years of wandering. They're about to go into the promised land, and this is what God says about the land that they're going to go into. Verse number 7 on your screen. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brook streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, where you were, will not lack anything, a land where rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. And oftentimes we talk about the promised land, and what do we say? Oh, it's the land of milk and honey where it just flowed freely. Or it's the place where they had the grapes of Eskel that were so big that it took two guys to carry them. But what Jesus, or not, excuse me, what God says right here in this 
passage is he says, it's a land of grain and wine and oil. And those were the three staples of the Jewish life there. They needed those things to survive. And that oil was part of their sustenance. And so what is said here is that God uses oil just to meet needs. And by the way, any time in the Bible that you read oil, you're talking about olive oil. I think we lose that sometimes. It's always talking about olive oil. But God provides what we actually need. And this simple reference and this simple truth reminds us of something that's very profound here today as we talk about healing. And it's this. God meets my daily needs. God meets my daily needs. And the oil that the, that the Israelites had available to them with, with, with the olive groves was a daily reminder of that God's like, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you what you need. And sometimes when we suffer the hurts and the injuries and when we're struggling with, with health issues or whatever, it's the frustration of what we don't have. And God says, don't focus there. Focus instead on what you actually need and focus on what you have. And I think for all of us, if we want to experience even emotional healing in our lives, we would be wise to focus on some of those simple graces that we enjoy in life. Food to start with. But even things like shelter and family, mental acuity, friends, opportunities, experiences. These are all demonstrations of simple things that we take for granted, but it's actually a statement by God to say, I've got you. I haven't lost track of you. I, I know what you're going through, and I'm going to make sure that you have what you need in this moment. There's a second scripture that I want to look at, and this scripture is actually pretty familiar. It's the 23rd Psalm. And I'm going to recite it, and you can follow along even in your mind. You can probably recite it with me. But there's something in this passage that we read right by, and I want to stop and focus that on it here this morning. So let me read, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And that's just what we just point we just made, right? He meets, meets our needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And what do we get in this passage, as we have this pastoral setting, and we see the sheep, and the sheep is able to walk in the pasture, and the grass is green, and the waters are cool and still, and you feel that sense of calm and peace. And when we talk about healing, that's really what we're after sometimes, isn't it? We go through a situation, we go through a trauma, we're dealing with a frustration, and it creates tension because the way things are and the way that, that we think they should be, they, they don't measure up. And then we see this psalm, and David is saying, hey, but what God does is he brings peace to that tension. But it gets better as we read. It says, he guides me along right past for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then he writes this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And we read that verse and we miss what it's talking about because we, we read the line right behind it, my cup overflows. And so we have this idea of, of 
you know, oil being poured into a cup and that it's flowing everywhere. And then it talks about the abundance of God and God is abundant in, in, in the, the gifts that he gives us. But it's not oil being poured in, it's oil being poured out. And the oil that's being poured out is being poured onto the head of the sheep. Well, sheep we know are pretty defenseless animals, and, and even to the small things like, like pests, bugs, insects, flies, when they get on the sheep, the sheep really have no way to get rid of them, to, to brush them off or whatever. So they're just stuck with these pests irritating them. And then sometimes these, these pests can lay eggs that actually get into like their eyes and ears and nose and, and can hatch, and they crawl back in there, and it becomes incredibly irritating uh, to, to the animal, so much so that it can literally drive them crazy. And so shepherds in the time of David would take oil and pour the oil over the head of the sheep because that would serve to protect the sheep from all the, the, the pests and the bugs. And so what the point here is when it says he pours or anoints my head with oil is that he brings me peace and he brings me con- protection. So all these things that could drive me crazy and all these hurts and harms around me, I can relax a little bit because I know he has done what needs to be done so that I will be safe, so that I will be okay, and so that I can find some peace. And that's really what we want when we talk about healing, isn't it? Sometimes we want, or mostly, I guess, we want the situation to be rectified or fixed. But God's like, you know what, I can do better than that. Sure, I can fix it, but at the same time, I can bring peace into this story. And so, the olive oil is helpful and and representative and significant to us in the fact that it brings us peace and protection. Since we're talking about David, let's move on here as we take our stroll and look at a story that came from his life that shows up in 1 Samuel 16.1, and it's where Samuel has been sent to David to anoint him as king. And so Samuel arrives on the scene, and the instructions are, well, let me read them for you here. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, olive oil, and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. And so he goes and he arrives there, and he has Jesse parade all of his sons before him because one of them is to be king. And each one passes before Samuel, and God's like, nope, that's not the one. Nope, that's not the one. And all of them pass, and God has a selected one, and Samuel's like, I'm confused. And Jesse's like, oh, I have one more son, right? David, forgot about him. And they bring in David, and David, it says in verse number 12, he sent for him and brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and some handsome features. And then the Lord said, we can read it on the screen here, rise and anoint him with olive oil. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And so we see the anointing of oil to signify that David had been chosen to be king. And we see it other places in Scripture to signify that somebody had been chosen, either in a position or for a task. And so oil is representative of this idea that God chooses us as he did David. But there's an interesting verse that shows up in uh, 2 Corinthians, it's chapter 1. And let's read that together. It says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. 
He anointed us, set his seal of ownership upon us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And what Paul is actually writing here is he's saying, you know what? Just as the anointing that we see in the Old Testament of like David or other prophets or kings or whatever, we see the anointing in the New Testament on every person that Christ has chosen to be one of his own. And that oil represents the Holy Spirit that's poured out on his life. And it's a reminder to us that God chooses to favor us. God chooses to favor me. He favors me by giving me salvation. He favors me by giving me the Holy Spirit. But he favors me by bringing good things into life, by bringing his presence into my life. And there are moments when we need healing, and we just need to be reminded that we have a God who's not just with us. He's a God who is for us, and he's a God who is pouring out that anointing, that blessing. Now, it all comes at once in the Holy Spirit, and yet God's favor continues to pour out on us day by day. We're reminded even as we look at the story of Christ, we often talk about the fact that he saves us from our sins. But we forget sometimes that he also rescues us from our sickness, heals us from our diseases. The Bible talks about it's by his stripes that we are healed. It says that he bore our sorrows. And what is the point is even some of the emotional hurts and struggles that we go through, that's what the cross was about too, where Jesus says, I favor you, I'm dying for you, so that you can experience healing in your souls, but also in your hearts. Well, let's move on. Another place in Scripture where we see oil mentioned, Exodus chapter 27. It says this, You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you pure beaten olive oil for the light, that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn. Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light, to keep the lamps burning continually. And this is for the temple, and so we go back into the Old Testament days. But in the temple, there's the golden lampstand. And the golden lampstand was always lit. The flame never went out. As a reminder to the Israelites that God is always with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You have his presence. And not only do you have his presence, you have his light. And so when we deal with injury, when we deal with hurt, when we deal with harm, when we deal with all this brokenness and when we need healing, we're reminded by the olive oil that God brings light into our stories. He throws the darkness away. That God brings himself into our story. And that isolation that we so often choose, he's like, no, 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 we're not going there. I'm going to be with you in this moment. And so God brings light in his presence to my darkness. And there's one last thing to look at. As we take our stroll here this morning and explore olive oil in the Bible, and it shows up in Luke chapter 10 in a story that's pretty familiar to most of us. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's really when we look at this story that we really start to, to take the focus and say, okay, here's how olive oil can be representative of healing in our lives and where it becomes really specific. So let me read this here this morning. We dive into the middle of the story. If you're familiar with the story, this will make sense. But it says this in verse number 33, Luke chapter 10, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
And what did he do? He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. And let me remind you, this is not a parable. This is a story. But in the days of Jesus, this is how they dealt with injury. This is how they dealt with a wound. They would actually use the oil to treat the wound. And so this is why we say it's symbolic of the healing in our lives, but it very literally in the time of Christ would have been used to treat the wound. And so we see that healing property of olive oil, literally. But there's more here. If you go to Mark chapter 6, this is the story of Jesus sending out his disciples into the world, and they did this missionary trip where they went out two by two, and they visited the towns, and and they talked about Christ, but they did good deeds, and they healed people. But here's what it says. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. They were literally physically healed. It wasn't the oil that healed them. Let's be honest and let's be clear. It was the power of God that healed them. But it was that representation of that oil poured out on these people to say, this is God's favor being poured out on you and bringing you healing. And even physical healing. And so this morning we've talked about metaphorically, and we've talked about emotional healing or spiritual healing, even physical healing is something that God's concerned about in this story. We read in the book of James, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And then follow with me. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And in this case, again, it's not necessarily the oil that heals somebody, but it's the oil that represents the power of God, and it's the oil that represents the faith of the people to actually bring about literal, physical healing. And this is a, a New Testament passage that gives us encouragement to seek healing. So we could seek healing emotionally, and we need to. We could seek healing spiritually, and we need to. But we can even seek healing physically. And we're encouraged to do that. Sometimes we're like, well, that doesn't really happen in today's world, does it? Well, yeah, it does. I can remember as a 12-year-old kid when my mom and dad came home from the doctor's office, and it was a Friday night, I think, and went to a basketball game. My brother was playing basketball, and my parents were like a million miles away mentally, and they came home, and they said, you know what? We just went to the doctor's, and your mom has cancer, and they're giving her two years to live. And my mom and dad refused to accept that prognosis. Instead, they claim this, this verse here where God offers to heal the sick, and they just asked everybody that they could find to pray. And this was before the days of the Internet. So when you wanted to reach out to people, you picked up the phone and called, and they called every single person they could think of literally worldwide and said, hey, would you pray that God would heal? 
And I still remember the night that the phone rang, and I was in bed, and uh, my mom, my mom actually answered the phone, and it was the doctor calling her. Doctors never call you at night, right? And she just said, you know, Mrs. Wood, I don't know how to explain this, but we just did an x-ray. We can't find any trace of cancer anywhere. And I don't know what to tell you. And my mom said, well, do you think it could be a miracle? And the doctor, who was a Christian, he said, oh, absolutely. That's what this is. And my mom lived for another 17 years. But see, here's the deal. God desires that we experience healing. And he uses this little thing, an olive. And this thing, olive oil, and and he weaves it throughout Scripture. And he says, hey, when you see this, just be reminded of the fact that I care about you. I care about your hurt, your injury, your illness, your sickness. I care about all of that. And I want to bring healing into your life. Do you want healing? Do you need healing? We all do, don't we? It's available. Now, there may be some steps that you need to take. Sometimes we need to go to the doctor. Sometimes we need to deal with situations in our life, and there may be steps that you need to take, things that you can do. You need to do those. Sometimes we need to identify the underlying cause of the pain that we're going through. And maybe this morning it's a good chance for you to step back in your story and say, okay, where do I need healing and why? What's going on? And to really get an understanding of that as well. But I am trying to say this this morning. Healing is possible. Maybe the first steps for you are just that simple reminder that God will meet your daily needs. And if he takes care of you today and gets you through today, he can do that tomorrow. And that may just be the the slow, step-by-step process of healing that you're going to have to experience. He'll walk with you through that. It may be that God will bring you peace. And maybe more than anything else, you need that right now. Just to feel like it's okay that God's got it under control that you will be fine. Maybe you need the reminder of the fact that God favors you, that he chooses you, that he gives you his Holy Spirit. Maybe it's his presence to lighten your darkness. But God wants to heal us. Let's pray together. I want to finish this morning by just doing something that's actually suggested in the book that Margaret Feinberg wrote. But it's taking a moment to take inventory to identify the hurt in your life, the injury in your life, the sickness in your life, the pain in your life, the frustration in your life. What is it? Can you identify it? And she actually suggests this, and I think it's a great idea to actually write it down. And as you sit there this morning, let me give you just a moment to identify that. Maybe you need to write it down. And then maybe you need to take it to God. To ask him to bring healing into your life. And we don't very often at church have what's sometimes called an invitation. 
But what I want to do this morning is I just want to invite you, if this is something that where God is just speaking to you or this is the cry of your heart, where you need some healing and do you want to come forward and pray, even at the steps here, I want to invite you to come. And that's not familiar to us, and that may feel awkward, and that's fine. But if you'd like to come, I would love to pray for you. And as we look at that last passage, it's the prayer of the people around us and their faith that brings healing too. And so I want to offer that this morning. And so our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, and this is just a time the instruments will play, and you can do some reflecting, and maybe you want to stay at your seat. That's okay. At the same time, maybe you want to come forward here and pray and ask God for healing. I want to invite you to come at this time. God, we need your touch. We need you to heal us, to heal our hearts when they're broken, to heal our dreams when we've given up on them, to heal our bodies when they fail us, to heal our relationships when they go bad, to heal our thinking when it goes down the wrong path. We need your healing. Thank you for the lessons that we can learn from an olive. From the olive oil that was so commonplace to the people of Bible times long ago. May your healing be commonplace to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we, we're going to finish up with the song this morning, but when we leave in the lobby, we want to invite you to taste and see. And so you'll go out there, you'll find a, pizza, or you'll find a plate that has some bread on it. And if you go into the cafe area, there are three different types of oil dips. And you can stop at each station, pick up a little uh, container of the oil dip, and you can work your way around there. And you can actually taste, and there's a label, what what you're actually eating and what you're tasting. We want to invite you to taste and see. And on your way out this morning, you'll also be given your take at home. Something you can put on your refrigerator with that magnet just to remind you to ask for God's healing. Life is full of hurts, but God is good to heal us. Let's stand together. We'll sing, and when the song's done, you'll be dismissed. You have been